0: So, uh, you ready? I guess. The following is a presentation of the
1: Six Arrows Radio Network.
2: MTCradio.com presents Ham Radio 360, the podcast. Brought to you by Ellacraft. Now, here's your host, Kel Nelson, K4CDN.
0: Okay, guys, welcome into the special edition Hamvention 2017 day one show. It's K4CDN, and you are?
3: I am Jeremy, KF7IJZ. And we are in our hotel room. We are in our hotel room. Which
0: is, I think it's a nice room.
3: Actually, I gotta be honest, this hotel, I mean, it seems like it's all brand new. This is way above what I was expecting. We're staying in the Spring Hill Suites in Fairbourne, Ohio. Oddly enough, George and us did not get the same hotel room. He's back at his hotel room right now uh, editing audio that we captured today. And he's just basically on the other side of the parking lot from us, though. It's a big ring.
0: Yeah, it's nice. A lot of restaurants and whatever. So uh, we are here to chat with you about Hamvention uh, because it started today in the brand new venue. And and, and all things have been made new, it seems, uh, except
3: it's it's still Hamvention. It's still Hamvention. Yeah. Yeah. It is still hand tension. So, uh, first of all, the big, the first big change is it's not after midnight, and we're recording this. So that's a win. We're ahead, kind of. We uh, we just got back to the hotel, to hotel room after having dinner with George and several of our traveling companions, who have been a wonderful help in the booth today. Yes. So Kale, let's let's cover things that have happened since yesterday. Okay. All right. So yesterday, Thursday. Yes. I arrived on site approximately ten fifteen. Yep. Uh, I arrived, I headed to our booth, discovered that there were some issues with our booth out in Building 6, which is uh, effectively a couple of large tents. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will admit, I was a little underwhelmed and a little disappointed when I got there. Um, yeah. They'd had some weather come through and had some uh, water and other issues in there. Uh, I will say that the Hamvention staff were very attentive yes. to us. They were working very hard to try to make things right. Um, they, of course, there were a lot of things going on. Yes, so they had a lot of people to try to help out. And as we were uh, kind of waiting around before we started bringing things in, we kind of had a little minor miracle happen.
0: Yeah, it was great. It was great.
3: So we are no longer in booth 61. Sir, sorry, sorry. Yeah, 6501, 6501. and 6502. Uh, for those of you who made it to Invention today, we are in booth 1202 in Building 1. And mm-hmm. that is because of the very kind and gracious efforts of airspy.us. Yes. So, uh <clears throat> Joe and Tony, uh he and his wife uh run this business. They are the official uh distributor in the United States for Airspy software defined receiver equipment including the Airspy Mini, the Airspy R2 Spyverter and other associated gear. And we were talking to them and they had they needed 1.1 booths. Yeah. But Hamvention won't sell that. They sold two so they graciously offered us the other 90% of their booth and so that's where we are.
0: And it's it's working great. I mean it's a great spot, great neighbors because uh, SDR is huge with our audience and allows us to kind of share our audience with them and bring some of their folks over to our side as well. So really cool to be able to make that connection with them and I actually bought my first air spy mini today i'm really excited about that you
3: did i'm very excited about that too and yeah. i'm going to hook him up with a, a spy verter because i bought the brand new spy verter r2 which uh, has overall a little bit better performance in every conceivable way lower power lower noise etc uh, so we're excited about that yeah so uh today fearing for concerns around traffic we uh woke up at f- about four fifteen, four twenty. yeah we all got ready uh, staying in the room with us is uh Kale's very good and old friend Chris. Yep. What's Chris's call sign? Kilo November 4 Bravo Delta Quebec. That's right. Uh Chris tag along. This is not only his first hamvention. He's only been a ham for all of about 10 minutes. <laughs> well, maybe a little more than that, but it's right, not long. Um amazing to have him along, huge help uh to helping him keep organized and uh today he was handing out flyers Dragon. He was acting as a very quiet barker to bring yeah, people to good. the booth. Yeah. Um, but we got there. We pulled up at Hamvention at the vendor gate at 545. We were number two in line. Yeah, We got there. Uh, they let us in at 6, couldn't get into the building until 7. Uh, we hung out, met a few other vendors as they slowly trickled in, got to get in our booth. And as soon as uh, we got in there, George and company showed up shortly thereafter, and we just sprung into action. And I'm talking boxes. It was crazy, man. Crates, our bags, our recording equipment, all of the stuff. We just rushed in. Got everything set up. And, of course, at the booth this year, we have every workbench build project, the antenna analyzer, the DC power module, the dummy load, the Arduino control dummy load or the smarty load, yeah. and the freebie that we're handing out, the uh, the little Arduino power pole – or not no, Arduino. Anderson power pole. Anderson power pole. <laughs> it's late, guys. Uh, distribution block. Um, We had that. We had some swag. Yeah, that's t-shirts. What did we bring for swag?
0: I got t-shirts and I have some patches. I forgot to get them out. Got car tags as well. So okay, but it's there. If you guys are here listening and you want something, it's there.
3: So we got set up. General public wasn't supposed to start rolling in till about nine. They rolled in about eight thirty. They did, and uh, (laughs) the funny thing was, again, traffic concerns. But at about the worst of it, I I was worried people were going to be stuck out there for hours and hours and hours about an hour and about the worst that we heard was an hour and i think that happened during a time where there was an accident on one of the main feeder roads because yeah, there's just a few feeder roads to
0: this event so and they're all two
3: lane yeah um so it was a really good experience this morning we had a little bit of weather come through but okay that's great we're it's set up it's gonna rain it's gonna we have a great it's 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 a little warm yeah it was uh, low 80s but pretty high humidity, high humidity. everybody is sweating so just if you're coming tomorrow be prepared for that. Yeah, shorts, t-shirts. Shorts, t-shirts, stay hydrated. But that's all well and fine. The real story of today is you, the is listener. Like you? Oh, the oh you were looking at me. I'm sorry. We never no. look at each other when we talk to <laughs> actually, each other. Actually, <laughs> yeah, we rarely get to actually see each other when we record this. Yeah. Is you the listener. Yeah.
0: It was crazy, man.
3: It was unbelievable. There was not really a time today no. when there weren't people at the booth. And I know we said that last year, but I we were so caught off guard by the the love that you guys have shown us.
0: Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, really, you guys, again, came out full force. We, had, we saw hand Radio swag on people all over the place and uh, stopping by and talking multiple times. And hope that you come back again tomorrow. If you're still here, you're going to come back. Because we were so busy, we didn't get the time we wanted with people like we wanted to. Uh, the sales of the items were taking some time as well. But uh, having people come by and just reconnecting with a lot of people i recognized some people we've never met before at the same time it was just amazing what the opportunities we had to catch up with people
3: it really was and it was so busy last year kale was more or less able to hold the booth down by himself while jordan and i were off and running and getting interviews but it was so busy today that there was rarely a time when we could easily be away from the booth and that, you know, Jeremy, you're saying that it's not just our booth, the, the whole
0: Hamvention was busy like that, and that really kind of affected what we, norm, what we kind of planned for today with you guys getting out and getting called or making, making calls on folks and, and getting interviews, which we'll get to here in just a moment. But uh, the, the, it, was, it was really kind of hard to comprehend because it's spread out different. It's laid out different. Everything looks and feels different, uh, but it's still Hamvention. You know, I was impressed that we had more space between the aisles. The aisles seemed wider. Which made it easier for people to kind of maneuver through, at least in building one where we were. So let,
3: let's talk about the facilities okay. overall. So, starting with the indoor buildings, you have building one, two, three, and five. Yes. Uh, these buildings have, for the most part, nice wide aisles. Mm-hmm. Everybody's 10 by 10 space is actually 10 by 10. Everything is spotlessly clean. Yeah, for an outdoor,
4: for, for semi outdoor, farm, yeah. you know, yeah, exposition.
3: Uh, the interior, as far as the conditions of the facilities, everything was well-maintained. All these barns have uh, like this sewn-in uh, – sewn-in is the wrong word, but this insulation in the yeah. roofs. Yeah, uh, It's, it's a big metal building, insulated yeah. metal building. Yep. Uh, but everything was clean and well-organized. You didn't have uh, a lot of tripping hazards. You didn't have the building falling down on you. No black mold. I, I saw no, no black there, mold. No black mold. Unfortunately, there were no wood floors. Standing on concrete yeah. all day is a yeah, little hard. But uh, the facilities are great. Now, on the outside – You basically have food vendors dispersed everywhere. Yeah. And we're talking corn dogs, Italian sausage. Funnel cake stuff. Funnel cake, like carnival food, uh, pizza vendors. But then they had people there, like the Ohio Beef Association Association was there, grilling steaks. Yeah. Hamburgers, hot dogs. Coffee people. Yeah, there were coffee trucks. There were ice cream trucks. Actually, there was an ice cream truck that was making homemade ice cream By using like a hundred year old tractor PTO, basically.
0: Yeah, it was the uh oh, what do they call? I I can't remember what what they they call it now, but yes. And I, sad thing
3: is, we want to get some, but the line was insane.
0: Hit, hit and miss. It's called a hit-and-miss. Okay, hit-and-miss ice cream? Yep. No, hit-and-miss motor. They oh, did. that's what the – yeah, because yeah.
3: that's what it sounds like. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, yeah, it was – the the venue, I thought, was pretty amazing. Richard and, and Christine and them have a crazy trailer. It was working out great. They were busy every time I went by there. Yep. Uh, Ella Craft's booth was wide open, and we, we were – They had no time. Yeah, we were shaking hands, kissing babies, and having a good time, so –
3: You know, and about the no time, I left the booth several times this morning yeah. with my rig in tow, trying to get interviews with people, and – Things were so crazy. Yeah, they were either so many people deep that I didn't want to even try to interrupt them because they were trying to sell or have conversations, or people asked, you know, basically very kindly said, uh, "I would love to talk to you." I'm a little busy right now. I'll try to come back later. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, and, and this is unlike you know we got that a few times last year and the year before but i'm telling you everybody was busy it just seemed like there were more
0: people here to me and i don't know if it's because of the way the venue's kind of set up where the buildings almost go in an arc and you can kind of flow through them easier and you're not going up and down and you know you got to go outside and go around the corner it's it's very easy to maneuver through these buildings one to the next and there were just so many people i mean it was there was no no way that i thought we could really get even what we got but what we did get was is going to be great And I'm excited because we got vendors But in addition to vendors We had people who were there in the facility To be able to share their first experiences from Xenia And uh, I think that's that. Of course you and I both know We love our audience And want to get them on the air So it's always cool to make that connection And especially when we can get their feedback For the listeners who can't be here with us
3: So the uh, Just overall the place is clean There's a lot of green space Yeah um, even when it rained, you know, reports. We have uh, my club is out in the field, K- uh, kd 8 lbs the Ohio Valley Experimenters Club. They're in what I call the little flea market, which is closer to the buildings. It's not the one that's in the outfield. And I promised I'd tell them they're selling uh, print as you wait little uh, ID badges where they'll take your picture and print you a custom amateur radio badge for $10. They put
0: your license on the rear of it yeah, too, They'll, which is they'll cool.
3: put your information on the back of it. Um, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you something today. What's that? Well, our uh, club officers met, and I've got good news and bad news. Okay. The good news is you don't owe any dues. The bad news is is you're now official honorary lifetime members of the Ohio Valley Experimental Club. How cool is that? You and George. Now, Sweet. I live there, so I still have to pay dues, but that's okay. <laughs> and
0: Chris wonders why he's
3: he not wondered, unofficial. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, no, we had a great time today. The, everybody was in a good mood, and I, I'd step outside every now and again just to catch a breather and kind of stretch my legs. And I'd ask people, I said, what do you think? I know I'm just asking, yeah. I'm not throwing a microphone. I don't want to intimidate people. But I didn't have a single person, other than you know, a couple of people, were like, hey, I had to sit in my car a little while. Yeah. But nobody complained. Yeah. And, and it was really neat to see. Nobody knows where anybody is. People kept saying, like, where's Yasu? And I was like, "Uh, they're in building two or three. Yeah, somewhere
0: Yeah, who knows? It's, it's all new. Everything's new. And it's, there's not the big arena where all of them are kind of piled in there on top of each other. It's almost like every building has one or two major manufacturers to highlight that building. And I think that's going to be really cool to be able to give them kind of ownership of those areas and kind of coordinate uh, the people who work alongside of them or maybe complement them. As um, as they grow this thing out. Now, we did catch up with some of our friends before we before we get to this because I don't think we got Jason on tape today from Hand Radio Two O. No, we did not. Uh, we we did an interview for his show. He and I did a video which Face Made for Radio, and then our buddy Eric Guth came by, really excited to meet him. And uh you know, he's as tall as me, so that was really cool. <laughs> I love it when people are not taller than me, and. Uh, I'm, I'm realizing I'm shorter than I actually thought I was. But Eric was such a nice guy. It was yeah, and absolutely That amazing. was a great time. It really was. And guys, he is really cool as you think that he is. He is such a genuine dude. And Eric, we we really appreciate really you coming appreciate by. Really
3: appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I also this morning got to spend some quality time with uh, Cheryl and Russ and Bill over at Linux oh, yeah. and the Ham I'm going
0: to see them tomorrow.
3: They're uh, over in Building 5. They had a nice little setup over there kind of by uh, Heil Sound. And all, a lot of the Audio Alley folks yeah. had a nice chat with them. Um, For any of you who follow Kale on Instagram, Bill implored me to beg (laughs) Kale to use the rear camera so all of his pictures weren't backwards. I think the the logo in
0: reverse messes him up. But that's why he's a
3: nerd. He he can hold his phone in a mirror and look at it. There
0: you go. There you go, Bill. Sorry.
3: (laughs) So uh, we have a couple of listener interviews and then a few vendor interviews we're going to go through. All right. Uh, Our goal is to hustle up and try to get some more. We're going to get there again early tomorrow. Uh, The good news is, actually, this is something we forgot to mention. The vibe yesterday, last year when we were there on Thursday, mm-hmm. everybody was already set up. And I got all my shopping done on Thursday last year yeah. because everybody was set up. Payments Not this were year. working. Not this year. And I'm talking the big ones. Yesu was still putting their booth Ken together. Kenwood had Ken no
0: radios on display when we got here this yep. morning.
3: Ham Radio Outlet didn't have anything out. They were loading stock out yesterday. Uh, Gigaparts had their booth completely cordoned off as they assembled it it was uh, everybody was busy. And this morning when we got there, people were still hustling yeah. to get their booths together. So uh, we made the best of it. But so far, the energy is high.
0: I think it's been great. I mean, I'm more I'm slam out. So something good has happened. Mm-hmm. Because standing there all day, you don't get tired just standing there all day. Uh, we, we, there was a lot of energy expended. And it was a, a marvelous experience. Hats off to the Dara. Because, I mean, what could have been a total disaster has really been well prepared for in spite of what a lot of people say and a lot of people believe we were there we've been there and uh although it was didn't come off without a hitch and we even had to move we had to move but i'm telling you it's this is a great new venue they'll get the traffic figured out the next couple of years but uh i am very pleased to have been here again me too and And i can't wait to hear what you got to share with the listener
3: and honestly i'm just excited to be in the ground floor (laughs) <laughs> uh, I do want to give a special thanks uh to Jack Erb uh the vice chair of date of uh Hamvention for Terra. Yes. He I mean the personal attention we got was humbling. Yes. And I wanna thank Brian Markland, who is uh the inside exhibit chair and has been, who has the most thankless job in all <sighs> of Ham radio. <laughs> yeah. Um these guys were sweating it for us and sweating it for you. And uh if you're coming tomorrow, we can't wait to see you. Please stop by booth twelve oh two. Yes, right. And uh you know, Come ready, get, come ready to eat Yeah there's food And there's a Breakfast, lot of fun So the fun, just, it, it's amazing. We didn't even make it To the big flea market No nah, I haven't arena. seen anything dude
0: nah. <laughs> So thank you Jeremy For getting out there George did a great job Today as well All of our friends From California And South Carolina And, and friends from Ohio Coming and helping And it's just It's been a great time So far So we're going to Stop talking Because I know You're tired of hearing us You want to hear What's going on At Hamvention So we're going to get Some real life stuff For you We'll be back tomorrow which may be today. George will be or sometime, here. yep. And we'll uh, we'll share some more stuff with you. Thank you guys so much Thank for you. giving us a chance, and be, we'll see you next be time. Be
3: safe for coming, if you're coming in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Remember the shuttle bus. It may help. All right, here we go. We'll get to this stuff, and uh, we'll see you all tomorrow.
5: We're here in the booth of totalmasssolutions.com and I'm talking to Simon Bourne, the CEO of the company. And uh, Simon, I want to stop by and take a look at your masts. You have some really interesting antenna mast products. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about those?
4: Okay. Uh, well, we brought a broader brief selection of the masts that we have established both, both throughout the UK and Europe are very popular with the amateur radio fraternity. tend to They tend to choose between thirty five and forty feet extended, but we have a. Over a range of a thousand masts in our range, which we can provide any solution with a with a short retracted height, which can be important when people are transporting these things in smaller vehicles, and through to very very big diameter masts, which will carry up to you know half a half a ton. So so when I look
5: at these masts, some of these look like they're mechanical uh, masts that you yeah, would uh, you would uh, unclamp and and lift the mast, but the, the impressive ones, the big ones, if you will.
4: They're pneumatic mass i assume yes they're all pneumatic we have a range of pump up mass whether you can choose to pump them up with a hand pump which is very very simple most sort of 40 foot mass you can typically deploy in about three minutes so what do you need besides
5: the mass do you need a compressor and an air tank or what, what do you require
4: now you can have a 12 volt compressor which we supply or as you see with the mast on the tripod just there that comes with an integral hand pump and with the integral hand pump, it literally takes a minute to extend the mass to 40 feet. So what kind of an antenna could you put on these? Could you put, besides obviously
5: a vertical, you could put a Yagi or some other yes. large antenna?
4: Hex beams, Yagis. Uh, we, we, we make all the bracketry for the ASU uh, rotators. So we have the full turnkey solution. Uh, most people at this show have been very surprised at the prices that we can, uh, we can sell these things for. The simple fact is we produce a lot of masts, and, and therefore price over volume, We are a lot. Uh, we, people have been very surprised at how cheap we are. So your company
5: is headquartered in the UK, I assume?
4: Yes, but we're here to look for other uh, distributors. Of course, this is going to take time for us to train these guys up to, to, to know what they're talking about, so we're suggesting for the next six months or so that we, we continue to supply from the UK. In any case, because we, send, we produce over 10,000 masks a year, we get very, very good uh, freight uh, rates. So it's not expensive for us to exp- uh, send them from the UK to, to here. So when I look at these masks, the first thing I think of is for a portable or maybe
5: an NCOM vehicle, kind of, maybe one of your smaller ones perhaps, yeah. but would customers ever use these kind of masks in a home installation?
4: yeah we do a full range of mounting systems so they can be wall mounted or, or we do a bolt down base so they can uh, they can bolt it to a uh, you know a concrete base or every solution you can ever think of and some of you will have never thought of
5: well I have to tell you when I look at these these are really high quality professional masks. these are not inexpensive amateur hobbyist class products these look like very professional gear
4: well yeah I mean they they come with all the Uh, certification you would expect that we we sell to the military the police forces the fire brigades but we realize for the amateur fraternity well it's coming out of you know a single person's back pocket well we price to to you know to make our equipment accessible to them it's my job within the company to keep my factory busy so we don't we don't make our money out of the amateur radio fraternity but it keeps our factory busy
5: well, that's awesome. Thank you for supporting the community. Your, your products look fabulous. And uh, it's great to see you here. And I hope we'll see you at uh, Ham Venture next
3: year.
4: You will do. And if there are any of the, um, the charitable institutions, I, I like, like in England and across Europe, we have the, uh, the Raynet in, in England. And I understand you have the um, Aries and, and other such like charity sort of based organizations that provide the civil contingencies. Uh, we do support them and we've made uh, a number of charitable donations free of charge to these guys and all we ask is for them to to spread the word about our products
5: wow that's fantastic so thank you for supporting the community and i'd suggest everybody check out their website this is really fascinating and it you know you see these things installed on vehicles but i've never seen someone who actually has them for sale so it's great to see them here at the show
4: well we've had a great show uh We've had fantastic response today. I'm really pleased. So uh, let's see what happens from here.
5: Wonderful. Well, thank you for your time, and I wish you the very best.
4: Thank you very much.
5: So I'm in the Hobby PCB booth here at Dayton with Curtis, KI4SXB. And Hobby PC was one of the vendors that we mentioned on our last show that we wanted to check out here at, at uh, Dayton. And the reason for that is last time uh, I saw some of your the low-power project boards with the Arduino interfaces, the UV3, I bought a couple of those boards, and they're they're really cool. And I was surprised how many interesting projects you guys are working on. So I wanted to come by and see what's new with Hobby PCB here at the show. Awesome. Thanks for stopping by and checking it out. Yeah, this year at the show, uh, the big thing
6: is we just came off of our Kickstarter campaign for our RSHFIQ, which is our uh, 5-watt, 80-to-10-meter SDR transceiver. So we uh, actually have those in stock this year for the first time for the show, and uh, we're showing them off. Uh, we, we Hopefully uh, tomorrow we'll be showing off the standalone radio board we're working on for that so that uh, it takes the computer out of the equation. Uh, we've also got here our IQ Keyer, which is new. Uh, that allows you to run uh, true uh, CW with an SDR. So it takes the latency out of CW for SDRs, not just our own SDR, but any SDR out there. And uh, we've got our full watt meter kit. That's an Arduino-based watt meter. So um, we provide everything: the Arduino, the watt meter shield, and the LCD display to to build uh, a really awesome watt meter kit.
5: So are all those products pre-assembled? I mean, you mentioned kit for the watt meter, so obviously it's a kit. Are those available assembled, and are the other products all assembled or kits? So most
6: of our products these days are assembled, or there's some assembly required. Um, like our, our transceiver is a fully assembled board. Uh, you buy the enclosure separately, so you have to do a, a couple of solder joints and slide it into a case. Same thing with our with our keyer and the Arduino kit. There's a little bit of soldering. Um, kind of our, our Cadillac kit that we've had around for a long time is our Hard Rock 50. That's our 50-watt amplifier. So uh, guys looking for a, a real good kit, that's what we call an easy-build kit. It's got all of the surface-mount components installed, but you get the fun part of going in and installing relays and winding coils, and it's about an eight-hour soldering job for that kit.
5: So let me take you back to the, the new transceiver, the SDR transceiver. A lot of the SDRs that I've seen that do have a transmit feature in it are usually very low power. It may be a, a, a milliwatt or 10 milliwatts or something on the low end, and you said yours is five plus watts? Yeah, it's a
6: 5-watt. So we've, we've actually put a 5-watt power amp on the board, along with all the required filtering, which is very key. So it's a completely legal uh, board to, to do a 5-watt transmit. And how much is that? Um, it retails for
5: $239. So that's a... It, what, what frequency range does that cover? That's uh, 80 meters to 10 meters. So 80 to 10-meter, 5-watt, sideband SDR transceiver for under $300. Yes, it is. And that's fully assembled? Fully assembled and ready to go. You guys make some really cool stuff. I got, Unfortunately, every time I come by and look at what you have, I don't want to buy another product. So that's very exciting. And um, I'm also kind of curious about the older, not older, but current product, the UV3, the one I bought. I bought it because I wanted to make a little analog micro-repeater. And while I could cobble that together with other radios, since you did a great job of bringing out all of the controls and all of the signals that you need to interface to a repeater controller, it was very easy to do that. So, what kind of projects do you see people building with that? It's kind of, it's really crazy the kind of things that people are coming up with. Um, really, we've got,
6: um, like I said, repeaters. Uh, we've got our own uh, full duplex repeater that we built out of it. Um, we've heard of digipeaters. We have uh, an amateur radio club at uh, university that's doing high, alt- high altitude ballooning with it. Um, really, fox hunt um, beacons, uh, anything you think of, especially if it needs to be headless and you just want to have, you know, really something lightweight and inexpensive that um, you know you can turn into something that just sits in the field. It's a perfect application for it.
5: So let me ask you one last question. When I look at your products, I as a home ham radio hobbyist builder kind of guy myself. When I looked at your products, I think these are the kind of things that I would like to build myself or I would like to buy and use in a project. And so I think you guys have done a really nice job in selecting these different uh, types of devices you're building. Do you have any particular um, strategy in mind of, is there some particular target audience in mind or what motivated you guys to do this? Yeah, so our strategy is
6: to really, we look for those niche products where we can do something that um, either doesn't exist today or um, we feel it's overpriced in the market. So we like to come in and find something where we can create an innovative design and really be a low-cost, high-quality product for people. Uh, We also know that there's a lot of experimenters out there. We're experimenters ourselves. That's how this all started. Uh, Jim Veach, our chief engineer, he won the Homebrew Challenge. They are a Homebrew Challenge, and that's what our amplifier is based off of. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of barriers if you want to build things yourselves, and so we try to lower those barriers, uh, make it easier. Some of the the things that we're going to look for is uh, doing a lot more Arduino-based products so that people can get in there and tweak the code if they want
5: to or, or maybe convert it into something else. Oh, that's excellent. I think your stuff is really great. I wish all of our listeners could be here to see your demos, but they sh- cer- should certainly go to the website and check it out. So we're at Hobby P C B and I want to thank you very much, Curtis, for your time. Thank you very much. I'm glad you stopped by. So I'm in the SatNogs booth with Corey, KB9JHU, and I don't know what SatNogs is, but everybody standing around here looks smarter than me, and whatever it is, it sounds interesting because it says Satellite Network Open Ground Station. So,
7: Corey, what are you guys doing? So to explain what we're doing, let me first explain the the problem that we're trying to solve. Uh, Satellites are becoming cheaper to launch. Uh, The CubeSat format is making it uh, relatively cheap for universities to send experiments up to uh, space, cheap for amateur radio to send more satellites up to space. Uh, And so there are more being sent by the month now, Uh, more satellites going up, a lot of them are using ham, ham radio frequencies, and they rely on amateur radio operators to collect telemetry and then give that telemetry report back to the satellite operators. Uh, that's a manual process today, and there are a handful of, of hams around the world who do this as a hobby. You know, you get home from work, you might track a couple of satellites or track some on the weekends um, and then send that data back up to the uh, the operators. Uh, meanwhile, the satellites are going and they're beaconing, you know, all the time, and, and there's a lot of data being lost. So what we are looking to do is fully automate that process of data collection and data reporting so that, you know, the operator is somebody who builds the ground station and maintains the ground station, but the actual collection of the the data coming down from the satellites is all done in software and all autonomous. So we have a network uh, on the uh, website. And this is uh, a website that can be used to uh, control the uh, the network of ground stations and send out uh, observation commands to the, the ground station clients. And we have a client package which runs on a Raspberry Pi, makes use of an RTL-SDR, uh, software defined radio stick, and can control any, any commercial rotator that is supported by Hamlib today in Linux um, and uh, actually take the the satellite path and track the satellite in the sky, as well as pull the the radio frequency down from the satellite. It's going to do all of the Doppler correction in uh, in real time and then upload the results of that, uh, that pass, both in a waterfall image format and the audio data back to our website. So if I understand the basic idea, since there's so many satellites and only so
5: many fewer number of Earth stations to actually capture the telemetry data from the satellites, you're going to the community to get the average ham to put up their own ground station
7: to grab the satellite telemetry data. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. And we're doing this in two different ways. Uh, the one way is to, to approach hams who are into satellites today. They may, they may have a, a Yaesu 5500 at their house, a couple of nice antennas, and they might get on it and make a contact you know, once a month or so. Uh, when they're not making contacts, our client can run on a Raspberry Pi and make use of their ground station 24 by 7 and collect data using their, their ground station and put their ground station to use.
5: So if I wanted to be one of your ground stations and I didn't really, I'm not connected to AMSAT or any other organization, would you hook me up? In other words, would you provide the hardware to me and I set it up and then the data goes somewhere and I'm being a good
7: Samaritan or how does that work? Uh, we don't provide anything yet. Uh, we, we do provide a, an open hardware design for a 3D printed rotator. If somebody wanted to build one and, and do a homebrew rotator kit, that's all out there. We have instructions for that. Uh, we don't sell any kits or give anything out. It's an open source project and a community uh, run project. So uh, it would be up to the ground station operator to go out and buy a rotator and build it themselves um, or take our design and build their own rotator with 3D printed parts.
5: Are any of the satellites uh, receivable with a omnidirectional antenna like an egg beater or a
7: traditional satellite antenna without a bunch of gain? You don't need a rotor and all that fancy stuff. Uh, yeah. So we're, in fact, we're we're testing this out in a couple of sites right now. Um, anytime you have an omnidirectional antenna like that, you need really good preamplification there at the uh, the antennas. So uh, our software can be tweaked a little bit for an omnidirectional uh, type of setup. And if it's uh, good enough to receive signals on, let's say, two meters or 440, then by all means, yeah, we'll, we'll take any kind of antenna configuration that people can get. So how many earth stations are using your software down? Uh, Right now, we have uh, two different versions of the network. We have production, and then we have our dev, like a sandbox for new stations that are being built. And in production, we have, uh, I think, eight stations today, uh, with many more that are in dev today. It's either they're being built or they're being tested and tweaked. You know, some people need to add an amplifier before the signal is going to be strong enough to move it to dev. uh, uh, Or they're in the the middle of building it as a kit with their school or their hackerspace. So it's interesting to me
5: because a lot of us would love to participate in some sort of satellite operation, but we may not have the time to sit at home and put all the gear together and point at the satellite and have a QSO. of course, a lot of people do, but a lot of us don't. So, it seems like this is a way to participate in that community without actually having to sit there and operate.
7: Absolutely. You know, once it's set up, uh, depending on the setup, it should be a set and forget type of scenario. Or, you know, we want a set and be involved. You know, we have a community forum site. We have a a database site full of uh, information about these satellites, and it's a crowdsourced website. So, anybody who maybe even isn't uh, capable of doing a ground station can still get involved with this project by helping us out with the information on all of the new CubeSats that are getting launched every month, uh, tracking them, you know, figuring out what's wrong with satellites that aren't beaconing, or uh, helping us with the integrity of the data in our database.
5: Well, this is very exciting. It's fun to see this. This reminds me of some of these other community receiver projects, like, like the ADSB aircraft data, that sort of idea, right? Yeah, it's that's the the common comparison.
7: It is, we are the Flight Radar 24 of space. Oh, that's very cool. So if people are interested, how would they get a hold of you guys? Uh, there are a couple ways. You can see everything uh, on satnogs.org. That's S-A-T-N-O-G-S.org. Uh, we have a community forum website uh, as well. Uh-huh. And then all of the data that we have uh, on our network site is freely available. So people are free to, to log in and go poke around. You can look at the data, download the, the data, um, decode it yourself, look for anomalies. Uh, and we also run a uh, IRC channel on Freenode. It's pound satnogs on irc.freenode.org. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for your time. And I wish you guys the best. This is really cool. Good. Well, thanks for,
5: thanks for having me on. So I'm here with Stan, WD0BGS, with VibraPlex. Stan, how's it been so far? Oh, it's been excellent. We've been very, very busy today. We've
8: had a lot of of inquiries on our new products, and uh, I think we're uh, we're,
5: uh, very happy with the results so far. So when I walked by your booth... What strikes me is you have a lot of top brands here. So it starts with Vibroplex. I noticed there's also Spider Beam and there's other products inrad. Tell us a bit about the range of the sure. products that you guys uh, offer.
8: We, we handle the uh, uh, spider beam products of mass and antennas. Uh, we carry both the fiberglass and aluminum mass. We have uh, a new uh, ERC rotor control unit, which is a, uh, uh, can be adapted into any of the new uh, rotors that are out today to automatically control your your rotor direction through your uh, laptop or computer. And we also have, of course, the the, uh, Vibroplex product line and uh, Bencher product line. We uh, have the um, uh, just-acquired 403 a products, which is um, a lot of accessories to the amateur uh, market, and the newest item, which is an uh, in-red uh, name, which is the microphones that just came in, and uh, we're
5: just showing those. At the, that's kind of the newest introduction here. So you guys really have quite a portfolio of, of leading brands, and all under the Vibraplex name. So for our listeners, they might have heard of Vibraplex, which is the most famous name in Telegraph keys for the last century. So, to give us a little bit about what's happening on the Viberplex products and where is that headed? Well, Vibraplex uh, has always been uh, a
8: popular name. We've uh, we we have some interesting products. We have. Uh, uh, a couple of things that have been um, added to the product line over the uh, past few years, and one is called the Vibra Cube, which is a, for those hams that don't want to chase their key around the, the operating position, we've got one that's a heavy, heavy key. Uh, it has oversized paddles on it. It's iambic style. What a wonderful product. It's got a, it, everybody that has one just absolutely raves about them. And uh, it we, we have that here. We're showing it in both the deluxe and the standard version. Uh, we, of course, carry a lot of the products in both the chrome bases and the black bases. Items like the Blue Racer have uh, been around for years. comes both in the deluxe chrome version and the blue blue uh, 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 finish. And, of course, we have um, a couple of other items. The uh, uh, the ZN Ultimate, which is a... Uh, a product that uses a, a magnetic action and that's been a very very good uh, key as well. So a lot of things and we have them all out here on display so you can you can see them you can feel them touch them hear them you you
5: know exactly what you're getting. So if I have an old viberplex key that I bought 30 years ago I have an electro keyer if I need a part for that thing do you guys have parts for the old keys? We sure do we carry we we, we also refurbish old keys uh, we can
8: take and uh, replace parts on majority of them now there might be some of the real real early models that we don't have parts for but for the most uh, we have uh, the correct parts necessary to get you up and running again
5: so I also noticed of course spider beam is one of your top brands that's a very popular antenna uh, tell us a little bit about what the spider beam product looks like and what, you know what's so special about that well the spider beam itself is a uh,
8: uh, is a five band it comes either in five band uh, heavy duty or five band portable use and it's a uh, it's a full uh, wavelength on the 20 uh, 15 and 10 and uh, it also has in the five band version we have uh, of course the work bands on there as well so that adds uh, 12 and 17 and uh, uh, that product un be known to most people is the fact that it's a it's it's not like the upside down umbrella product. It's flat, so it's it's less noticeable in your neighborhood. So if you're trying to keep a little bit more of a conspicuous uh, look with your antennas, this will offer that. It has less wind load, and it does give you uh, a little advantage in in uh, uh, gain overall. Yeah.
5: So when I think about the spider beam, the first thing I think about is that. Sort of bowl-shaped uh, hex beam, but the spider beam is is in a plane. It's not bowl-shaped. That's correct. So you have less
8: wind load on it, and uh, they it's a little lighter weight. The whole antenna weighs oh, only about uh, twenty six pounds.
5: And you, I've heard people buying other accessories from you who might be building their own antennas like fiberglass masks and other bits and pieces so it seems like you have a bunch of other accessory components and things that people could use right well you know especially when you don't have a tree in your backyard (laughs) we have fiberglass poles we sell
8: uh, just a ton of these fiberglass poles our best-selling pole is a 12 meter pole and uh, that extends up to uh, 40 feet the uh, uh, our most popular pole and it's really moderately priced it's only 105 dollars the, uh, we sell an 18-meter pole, uh, and, of course, we have some very large poles here as well for those that want to put up a, a big vertical and and or if they want to tie off a big loop or whatever the case might be. So we've got all of those uh, uh, shown here on display so you can see what they look like. You can feel them, touch them, and, and uh, get a little idea of what you might need for a future project.
5: Well, that's great. You've got some great stuff, and thank you for your time, and I uh, hope the Dayton show is really good for you.
3: All right, I am standing here at the BridgeCom Systems booth with Tim, KE0GWR. Tim, we are in a brand new location. Has this met,
9: exceeded, or failed your expectations? So far I think it's actually exceeded. I mean, foot traffic here has been awesome, Um, and from talking to people that are out there, it sounds like it's just as busy in the flea market and everything else it is here, so it's been really good.
3: Outstanding. So what did BridgeCom bring to Dayton this year?
9: Uh, Lots of new stuff, plus some existing stuff we've had for a long time. Of course, we've always had repeaters, uh, mobiles and handhelds. We've got uh, two new mobiles. Uh, We have a 220 that we've had before. We partnered that with the 144 as well as the 440. So, we have three mobiles that will all run the same software, so keeps it easy for programming.
3: Alright, so tell us about some of the new
9: products. Uh, other new products we have, we've got a D Star kit, so any of our repeaters can be turned into a D Star. Uh, so you can do, in particular, 220 D Star, like with the Kenwood uh, HT. Uh, we brought uh, our amateur radio networking system, so you can do radio over IP linking on any of the products. Uh, plus, we've got a new handheld that's coming out uh, end of July ish, as soon as stock arrives. Uh, that's going to be 2 meter and 440 on analog.
3: So that's an analog handheld. So for the D Star repeater module, what's powering that? Is it a custom design?
9: kind of, it's semi-custom. We're partnering with Northwest Digital next to us here. Um, they've got the UR- UDRC uh, hat that goes on top of a single board computer. We've created a kit that's the custom cable, the box, everything you need, so it's all ready to program in your reflector, set up with your frequency, and put it on a BCR repeater and go on the air.
3: So do you guys have any 220 twenty D-Star repeaters in the field now?
9: I think there's four or five of them out there. Uh, there's at least five of them out there right now, and then there's a couple more that we have to yet to do. So, Plus, we've been playing with the shop for a month.
3: So tell us, what is your favorite digital mode?
9: Mine? Um, I'm getting used to D-Star. That's just a whole new ball game for me, so I'm kind of playing with that. That's been fun lately. Uh, DMR is still my, my favorite, just because, to me, it's easier to program than some others. But I'm getting used to D-Star now, and so that's, that's just fun.
3: All right, so tell us some about the networking products that you brought.
9: We brought uh, amateur radio networking system. So for a number of years, we've been offering a commercial version. Now we've brought it, hopefully, to the amateur folks, where you can put a box, RadioRP box, gateway, on a repeater and network it then to another gateway, another repeater, and on down the line until you have a system. And you have total control. It's all web-based control. So you can set up or tear down a link as you feel necessary.
3: Is this all DMR-specific?
9: It's No. It'll do DMR, P25, analog, anything you want to do, anything you can bring in the analog audio to, uh, then you can create a link to.
3: So this basically serves as an IP link for physical repeaters using any communications technology that you want.
9: That's right. It could be actually a repeater. It could also even be just a mobile radio. So if you just want to bring in a talk group from like a P25 group locally, you could do that.
3: All right, awesome, Tim. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing stuff from you again in the future.
9: Sure. Thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it.
3: I'm standing here with John. Whiskey 6 Tango Romeo Foxtrot all the way in from California. John, this is your first time at Hamvention.
10: Yeah, it's amazing. It's everything uh, folks said it would be and a bit more.
3: All right, so you don't have the benefit of experience with Hera. So you are not only looking at Xenia with new eyes, you are looking at Hamvention with new eyes. Give us an overview of what it's like for somebody who's never been
10: here. Wow. So, probably the only other event I've been at is uh, BayCon, which is our local event in the... I'm sorry, uh, PacificCon, which is our local event in the in the Bay Area. And um, I was trying to judge it by that coming in, and I would say that it feels like it's probably, you know, eight to ten times bigger than uh, PacificCon. Um, it's broken up into five or six different buildings slash tents, and... Um, Every vendor I've been looking for is here uh, selling their wares and forming us. Um, it, uh, you know, there was some concern coming in that the crowds would be uh, many and the roads couldn't handle them. But with enough paranoia amongst the uh, prepared uh, MCOM hams, uh, everybody uh, found different routes. And I really haven't heard anybody complain about uh, getting here today. So,
3: Yeah, I, I did notice that uh, the traffic seemed to be not as bad as we had feared. Now, we've been here since about a quarter to six, and we were one of the first vendors in, so I was surprised. But everything, it seems to have gone very smoothly. What were you expecting to find when you got here?
10: Uh, so, um, again, I kind of kept a really open mind. So I would, uh, you know, again, I, I expected to see vendors in booths. I probably thought that there would be more uh, forums or uh, seminars going on than I've they've got two large seminar rooms that i'm aware of they may have more that had very interesting topics but i i i thought there was maybe going to be more more of that but it's it's really a lot of vendors um a lot of hams friendly hams uh novice uh through uh you know 50 60 year hams uh, experts and they're all willing to share their knowledge if you're up looking at a at a key or a radio, and they're overhearing what you're saying, they'll offer their advice uh, to complement what the uh, what the vendor's selling. And um, again, it's it's very friendly to a new ham, so a great experience.
3: So who were some of your favorite vendors here?
10: Uh, well, it was nice to see Ellen Kraft even or Ella Craft, even though they're uh, neighbors of ours in San Jose. Um, so it was uh, good there. Begali, I'd heard a lot about Begali, but never got to touch uh, one of their keys. And Again, I'm not a CW guy, but they treated me as though I were a CW knowledgeable guy and, and uh, showed me the features that differentiate them, um, which, uh, which has been really fun. I also like the, uh, and I'm going to blank on the, is it an MCOM? Uh, one of the show sponsors. I'm, I'm, uh, I can look at his name later, but anyway, he had, uh, um, has the, uh, something to go. Um, oh, comms to go. Comms to go, yeah, comms to go. Again, very helpful, uh, probably one of my favorite vendors in that he was very educational and, and uh, talked about his different components and parts and kind of their story, and, and that was great. I was so impressed, I ended up spending some money with him at the end. Uh, so speaking of spending money, what did you buy today? Um, over in the uh, Ham Radio 360 booth, there are some bare boards that are like 2 and $3 a piece. I uh, held my money in my pocket all day and spent uh, $15 on uh, project kits from Ham Radio 360. One question. Are you going to come back next year? I'd sure love to come back next year. It's a long trip from, uh, from San Jose, probably uh, close to 2,500 to 3,000 miles. And uh, it was, again, a great group of guys and a, and a great trip. If I don't make it next year, it'll be the year after that.
3: Outstanding. Well, thank you so much for your time. We'll talk to you soon.
10: Thank you very much. Have a great show.
3: So I'm standing here with Brian Hoyer, K7 UDR from Northwest Digital Radio. Brian, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good today. How about you, Jeremy?
3: I'm doing well. So tell me, has Dayton been uh, meeting, exceeding, or falling
1: below your expectations with the new venue? So in terms of the venue, it's meeting at or above. In terms of the confusion getting here, that was all anticipated. We figured there'd be problems with the new venue, and there have been. Um, On the way out here, I left my MacBook on an airplane... And then flew through, they said around, but kind of through a thunderstorm. So it's exciting getting here. I can't blame these guys for that. So give us a little bit about Northwest Digital Radio. Tell our listeners what you guys do. Okay, so Northwest Digital Radio is focused on the digital side of radio. And that's in all bands, by the way. And we've come out with a variety of products to implement that. Um, We're a value-based company. So we're looking at getting people into digital radio at a good price point, delivering good value. So, tell us a little bit about your products. Well, I'm going to start with a couple of products. First, I'm going to go backwards to the UDRC2, which we launched last year at Dayton, and that's fit an interesting need. So, Yesu came out with their DR1X, which is an analog slash fusion repeater, and we built a box that enabled the capability to add DSTAR to it, figuring that if people want to, then more is better. That's been very successful. But at the same time, we also wanted to bring back all the packet applications like APRS, iGates, RMS Gateways, WinLink, and also the FL Digi stuff, which is usable on both FM and also up in the upper bands. So that's been interesting. That came out last year. So there's an exciting thing this year, and they say that uh, necessity is the mother of invention. So I was doing an Echolink implementation for our local repeater, and in doing that, I used our UDRC and a 25-watt mobile rig, and everything worked fine. But then I realized that meant in my shack, if someone came in over EchoLink, I couldn't hear the repeater. So I was going to go buy an inexpensive HT and tear it apart and cobble it together on our UDRC. And then I said, wait a minute, I think a better way to do it is to put a one-watt transceiver right on the UDRC. And now at Dayton this year, we're talking about a new product, which is not out yet, called the one-watt spot. And we'll be showcasing that probably at Seaside in a couple weeks. And we're going to file our first Kickstarter to get that going. Awesome. And is
3: there any updates on the product that you guys first unveiled four years ago? And can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. The UDRX, in January, we got back the pilot run. We'd switched to the Pi. We had new packaging. But we once again have had some resource problems. So although the drivers are, are done and the radio is up, It's still in the RF lab, and I'm not quite sure when it's going to come out still.
3: Outstanding. So, what is it you're most excited about
1: in this year as far as digital radio? So, what I'm most excited about is, let's see, a few years ago at Tapper DCC in Atlanta, I gave a talk about a hailing channel for packet radio. The idea of you get on APRS frequency 144.39, and then you automatic QSY off. Well, the one-watt spot that we've come out with is a frequency agile radio, so we can now fulfill that dream of having a radio that can camp on a commonly used frequency exchange information, and yet QSY someplace else for personal data transfer. Second thing, a couple years later, I did a talk on authentication for packet radio at Microhams, and Andrew Pavlin, when he wrote YAC, implemented it, which is fantastic. The one-watt spot, once again, will be an ideal platform for that, so for instance... Um, I want to turn preheat on my airplane in my hangar, but I don't want anybody else to turn it on. Well, with a one-watt spot, I can bounce it off a digi on a mountaintop, kick on my preheat, get a acknowledgement back, know everything's working. I'm also going to put one, we have a private water system, I'm going to put one on my well. My son's got a creek in his backyard, he's going to do a river monitor. So there's been talk of the APRS of things, and I think it's going to help with that. A third thing I'm excited about, um, Direwolf, which we use heavily, excellent product, also has some experimental ability for QPSK, and I want to look at QPSK combined with FEC for digital radio. Back to the frequency agility. The last thing in the world I want to do is pollute the APRS channel with that kind of traffic. But if we can get on a common frequency using standard protocols, QSY over and change protocols, we can get a development community. In my small area in, in northwestern Washington up in the islands, um, we've now got dozens of hams that are within radio side of each other that have this equipment. Now's the chance to really start doing some playing and, and deliver on the promise.
3: Outstanding. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us and our listeners. And if people want to know more about your products, where can they go?
1: www.nwdigitalradio.com Outstanding. Thank you so much. Have a great Dayton. Thank you, Jeremy.
3: I'm standing here with friend of the show, Bruce W1GQ, famous DXer. Only in
11: the eyes of Ham Radio 360 am I a famous DXer. So
3: how many trips to Dayton
11: have you had? That's a good question. I've probably been to Dayton five times, but it's been an aspiration since I was a kid back in the late uh, 60s, early 70s. So it wasn't until I started hanging out with George Zephyropoulos that I started coming to Dayton. And I want you to know that I, he didn't come with me at the first show uh, and I hauled all of his equipment out to Dayton, manned the booth, sold his stuff, and he never made it out. Do you know that? That was the first time. Yeah. So, uh, so GQ, or GZ, I should say, George Zephyropoulos. Uh, I think it's his fourth time. And it's maybe my fifth. Eh, maybe more. Who knows?
3: Well, then you're obviously a good friend.
11: I've known George for a long time. In fact, I'll tell you one thing. We were talking about this last night. When we were kids, I used to go to Henry Radio on Olympic Boulevard in Southern California in the late '60s, early yeah, late '60s, early '70s. And he was there working at Henry Radio when I would come from uh, up in Palos Verdes down to uh, shop at Henry Radio. And it wasn't until about 30 years later that we actually know each other. So we were kids at the same radio shop, but never knew each
3: other. So George's a good guy. We think so. We'll keep him. So, given that you've been here all day, this is the first time any of us have been at Xenia what are some of the
11: comparisons to Hera? Well, there's one obvious one. Uh, I think Hera should burn to the ground fast, and uh, this place is a keeper. This is nice. It's actually uh, wide open. It's got a good, uh, nice environment. Actually, the forums are really nice, too. The air conditioning, they're comfortable. Uh, Hera didn't have that. Hera was, should have been shut down a long time ago, <laughs> and they didn't do
3: it. What do you think about the turnout here?
11: Uh, I don't know what the count is. I bet it's in the 20,000, 25,000 uh, range is kind of my guess. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's been good. The hallways are uh, wide open, so you can move around in the show as well. Um, it's raining right now. It's 5 o'clock on a fri- uh, th- yeah, Friday. And uh, I bet uh, out in the, uh, you know, the, the trailer section is probably a little muddy right now. But other than that, I think it's good.
3: Yeah, I think surprisingly everything has gone off very swimmingly. There have not really been any major issues or major hitches today. So who are some of the people that are your favorite to come see when you come to Hamvention?
11: Well, I went to the uh, Collins Forum. And, uh, in fact, uh, when I was driving out from Boston here to, uh, to Dayton, uh, I think it was W9ST or K9ST, he and I were on uh, 14652 talking to each other for about 50 miles out to Dayton. And I went and listened to his uh, forum. And I thought it was excellent. So the Collins Forum, I'm a contester, so I like the contest forum that will be tomorrow. The antenna section today was uh, outstanding. In fact, there was a, a fellow who was 86 years old, and he just put up a three-element 80-meter antenna at 150 feet at 86. Now, i tell you what, if I'm still climbing towers at 86, that's a good day. But for him to put up a three-element at 100, I mean, and I just talked to him a few minutes ago, just a nice, nice fellow, too. Been married 62 years, so.
3: Maybe that's the secret.
11: I know. Well, I don't know. I, my wife keeps telling me I'm cementing myself in every tower I put up, so I'm not sure that's a secret. Maybe it is. It's hard to tell.
3: So is there anything you're going to leave here with that you can't live without?
11: Well, I actually, we just had a conversation with a, with a friend of mine here about leaving with something, and uh, I got close. I did a flyby, uh, but I don't think so. So gonna, not I'm the gonna... Lusso Tower? Well, I don't know where i put the tower, but uh, no, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. There, that tower that's 120 foot, uh, yeah, $20,000, I looked at that. Uh, the problem with it, it can't handle much of a wind load, and I've got rolling 55, so actually, that would handle less. T- I mean, the only nice part is it comes down, but... No.
3: No, thank you. 20K is a lot. So will you be back at Hamvention again next year? Absolutely. All right. So I think so far it's success. Bruce, thank you. 73s. Take care. Bye. Standing here at the Whistler booth once again with Wendy Taylor, no call sign. I don't remember, but I think we talked about this last year.
2: Yes, I'm working on my uh, license. I just have to go down and take the test. I've been told I need to take it while I'm here, but I don't know that I can get the guys to watch the booth for me while I'm gone. So,
3: And I don't know that you should trust them even if they did.
2: Exactly. You never know. Things might walk away. All right. So, Wendy,
3: tell us about Whistler and tell us about some of your products.
2: Oh, so Whistler is um, the leader in the market for scanners. Uh, we are one of the only um, scanner manufacturers out there right now that has NXDN on our scanners. So, uh, we do have a full line of scanners all the way from analog scanners our WS-1010 and 1025 all the way up to our newest models, which are our digital models, the TRX-1 and TRX-2. Uh, The TRX-1 and 2 came out last year, Hamvention. Uh, They're out this year, but we released an NXDN update in December of 2016. So everybody's working on that right now.
3: Now, speaking of updates, that's been one of the most exciting things about these models is that you guys have released new codecs, new modes since the product originally came out, which extends the life and utility of the scanner. So what modes have you released since the initial launch?
2: Uh, so, the initial launch, we came out with DMR. We came out with NXDN in December. Uh, we continue to work with all of our uh, users, definitely everybody on Radio Reference, to go through. If they're having an issue with any of our modes on any of their uh, systems, we'll work with them. Um, try to work and see what's the issue that they're having. We'll work at their uh, their logs and everything and, and go through and see if we can make adjustments. And we'll make adjustments to our code and release that out to the public. So, it does... Um, work on upgrading the scanners on a regular basis, and it makes it better for the users.
3: All right, so for your digital scanners, what modes did they come up, come with out of the box?
2: So out of the box, the TRX1 and TRX2 will have um, DMR and NXCN. So
3: it, what did you guys bring anything new or announce anything new this year at Hamvention?
2: Uh, we did not bring anything new to the convention this year. We did announce um, this morning that we're going to have an upgrade system for our legacy units, which was our GRE... Uh, PSR-600, I'm going to get that wrong. I always get that wrong. PSR-800, the Pro 668, and the Pro 18. Those units will all be upgradable. You'll actually go to our website starting on June 1st. And then from there, you'll be able to purchase the upgrade. It's $59.99. Uh, it'll give you instructions to send your unit to us at our, at our Whistler Repair Center. Uh, they will upgrade your unit, and they'll send it back to you within two weeks, and that will actually get you an upgrade on those units to DMR and Motorola Turbo. So that'll be um, a huge upgrade for those systems. Um, Radio Shack has gone out of business. GRA has been acquired. Um, So those units are no longer supported. So they will be supported now going forward by Whistler.
3: Well, that's really wonderful news for folks who have some of those legacy units. So thank you very much for your time. If somebody wanted to know more about your products, where would they go online?
2: Uh, They can check us out at whistlergroup.com. And we have all of our units uh, out there as far as our scanners. And we also make a full line of mobile electronics, including uh, power inverters and portable jump starters. So those are out there too. All right. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ham Radio 360 podcast. Brought to you by Maine Trading Company, Paris, Texas. And by Elecraft.com, hands-on ham radio. To learn more about the show, visit our website hamradio360.com. 73s, y'all.